It's five minutes with me. Hola, amigos, and welcome to Cinco Minutos con Marco. We're bilingual today only for that portion. And uh, now back to English only. Let's uh, spend a few minutes thinking about belonging today. Uh, here's a foundational assumption. With the splintering of youth culture that has occurred over the last two decades, the search for belonging has surfaced as the lens through which the average teenager views everything. Themselves, God, friendships, church, everything. This was massively heightened by the isolation teenagers experienced during the pandemic. And historically, most churches offered belonging in the same way that all social groups did, only uh, after adherence to our beliefs and behaviors. But that doesn't fly with today's teenagers or young adults because they understand what's true based on experience rather than facts. And so belonging becomes the gateway, the prerequisite to a willingness to try on your group's behaviors and consider your group's beliefs. Here's the big takeaway. This means we have to move toward offering unconditional belonging prior to belief, which sounds good, but it's easier said than done. That also begs the question, what does it mean to belong? If your context is anything like mine, you probably have teenagers you see two or three times a year who would totally believe that they belong to your group. How is that possible? Certainly the new norm in church attendance is that once a month attendance is considered regular attendance, which is a far cry from our belonging norms not that long ago. Let's start with this. Belonging occurs when we identify with another person, organization, group, or collective. Let me say that again. Belonging occurs when we identify with another person, organization, group, or collective. I'm both challenged and encouraged when I reflect on the youth ministry implications of a belonging expert named Edward Hall, who developed a fancy named theory about the four spaces in which all of us need to find belonging. He calls it proxemics. Hall says that we all need four kinds of belonging. First, public belonging. And that happens when people connect through an outside influence. Think of it this way. I'm walking through an airport and pass someone wearing a hoodie with a University of Michigan M on it, my favorite team. And in that moment, even though I don't know that person, I experience a sense of belonging with them. By the way, I've discovered there's a secret belonging club with guys uh, for guys with stupidly long beards like the one on my face. And when we see each other, words are rarely exchanged, but a slight nod says it all. I see you. We belong to each other. <laughs> Secondly, there's social belonging, which occurs when we share snapshots of who we are. You might think of this like as party banter, the sort of light conversations you have with people you're enjoying, but don't know at a personal or deeper level. I would suggest that a good many of our youth group attendees, especially those who only occasionally attend, experience belonging with your group at this level. Then there's personal belonging, which occurs when we share private but not vulnerable experiences, feelings, and thoughts. Many of our regular attendees are experiencing belonging at this level, more than affiliated but genu and genuinely involved in relationships of meaning, but still holding it back a bit on their deepest fears, failures, anxieties, dreams, and longings. Finally, there's intimate belonging, which occurs when we share naked information. That doesn't mean being naked, of course. Really vulnerable information and are not ashamed. That last phrase is super important on this one. 
It's not only that we share the most intimate details of our lives and hearts, but that we feel safe enough in this level of belonging that we don't have a need to spin or posture or perform in any way. Jesus was a master of allowing people to experience belonging in all four spaces. And Jesus was never coercive, forcing a level of belonging that people weren't desiring. So often we use subtle manipulative languages in our language in our churches and youth ministries to communicate that those teenagers who want to please God will engage with us on the level of intimate belonging or at least personal belonging. And this is a challenge for them if they're already having those deeper belonging needs met in other ways. So what if we were more open-handed, allowing teenagers to belong to us in whatever way they need? Ooh, that's a mind mess right there. A few additional thoughts to mess with you more. Belonging need not be reciprocal. I can belong to you and not have you belong to me. We often experience this tension when we sense a connection with a teenager, but they don't reciprocate through obvious behaviors like attendance. Belonging is opt-in and 100% out of the control of the person considering it. Any coerced belonging will merely be a facade and attempt uh, to, to appease the person demanding deeper belonging, but without any truth to it. True, true community, excuse me, true community is built on all four spaces. Community happens spontaneously when all four levels of belonging are organically occurring approximately along the lines of this compound formula, public eight, social four, personal two, and intimate one. We can facilitate environments that help people connect. Really, this revises our roles. I like to say that we're tour guides to the Christian faith. And in a belonging parallel to that idea, we're environmental hosts. We offer meaningful opportunities to connect and belong at all four levels while never demanding or shaming. So let's get out there and be like Jesus, offering unconditional belonging prior to belief and open-handedly welcoming teenagers to belong in whatever way they need during this chapter of their lives. Youth Cartel Podcast Network.